Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for an uncloseted riff and rant. And today I'm changing things up. I actually bring in a friend of mine on with me. And this all started because we were both kind of shouting back and forth, commenting back and forth on a post I put up about a brand new movie that's out about gay conversion therapy. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage everybody to go check it out, whether you're gay, straight, anything in between. Because in my mind, this movie is about humanity and realizing the crap we do to each other in the name of, well, just about everything, but specifically in the name of religion. And the reason I'm bringing Joel Barrett on from um, Joel Speaks Out, he's a good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. We both had similar experiences in our coming out journeys. We're both guys with kids and now he's got grandkids and I'm knocking on wood saying not yet for me, thank God. Uh, <laughs> but um we both went through our own different versions of this quote gay conversion therapy and we both had different reactions to this movie and we because Joel is a great guy he reached out and said I think we should do a podcast on this and I'm like this is why I love Joel he always like you know gives me some ideas about stuff so hey buddy I'm glad we're here and I'm glad we're having this conversation today yeah it's great to be back on Rick it's been a while it has been a while but I think this is a really great conversation to have today and for those listening we are probably going to go longer than we normally do on a rant and riff because we both feel like this is a really really poignant conversation to have so joel here's where i'd like to start let's do like both of us give our perspectives on our own experiences not with the movie at this point but you know kind of where we came from um that gives us the background of understanding what went on, you know, as far as how we came out and you experienced this conversion stuff really firsthand in a different way than I did. So why don't you start and then I'll come in with my softer version of because mine wasn't as extensive as yours. So give the, <laughs> well, give the audience a little bit of an insight here. Sure. I was really anxious to see the movie uh, just because I, I wanted to see how it yeah. matched up to my own experiences and my own experiences where I grew up in a very conservative Baptist home, uh, more, much more conservative than what was portrayed in the movie. Um, I always say we were the uh, softer side of the Westboro Baptist church. Mm. <laughs> and um, so I grew up in that. I as went into ministry, you know, married, three kids, so on and so forth. Um, in my thirties, everything's kind of started boiling up to the point that it couldn't be contained anymore. So I still thought that, that my only option was to fix myself. So I submitted myself in my mid, my early thirties to, um, ex gay therapy. You know, there's all the different names for it, but essentially right. it's all the same thing. It's just something designed to take the gay out of you. And <laughs> I went through the Exodus international umbrella organization. Um, and I ended up seeing, um, the head of the state that I lived in at that time for a little bit of time, went to some conferences, heard some speakers, read the books. And then I was driving like three hours to see him. So he referred me to another approved counselor closer to me. When all was said and done, I spent uh, almost three years wow. in gay therapy, uh, individual therapy, group therapy. Like I said, I, I, at the time, I felt like the poster boy of XK therapy because right. I felt like I was <laughs> giving it my all, you know. Right. Right. So that's that's my story in a nutshell. So mine is not quite what Joel went through. And a few of you have heard me talk about this on the podcast. Um, I came out at 19 initially, and then I had a similar experience to Joel where I came out later in life at 36, which everybody's heard. But at 19... 
my experience was I, you know, made the call to mom and dad. I was going to school in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mom and dad lived in Northwest Arkansas. And um, I said, hey, guess what? This is going down. This is who I am. And they said, absolutely not. I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. And I was at a Seventh-day Adventist college in Tennessee. And the church, the college campus church was right, literally right across the street from the college. And there was really a great um, pastor there. And um, he was one of those guys that I knew even as I was, you know, going to college and stuff, he was one of those pastors that I really respected. There wasn't a lot of hype to how he approached life. He was just solid in his own approach to, you know, here's how he saw his religion. And so my parents took me to that space. They didn't come and take me literally, but they made arrangements for me to have some conversations with him. And at the time, I was like, yeah, I think this would be good. I didn't know if it was the same as Joel where, okay, let's fix me. But it was kind of, let me, help me understand this. And, and if there's a fix, great. And I just went and spent some time with him. I think there was probably six, maybe eight sessions we had. And I reached that point very quickly of, okay, I understand this is about religion. This is about faith. It's about what God does, not what God does and doesn't want you to be doing. And I know for me, the reason it didn't go much deeper was because I had this fear of my parents, specifically of my father of, okay, I better just do this, toe the line and play the game. And there were pieces of it as I went through it that I'm like, and I was also swallowing the Kool-Aid to some degree because I thought, okay, if I can actually make this happen, then life moves on. And life did move on really quickly. And I actually remember right after the experiences with the pastor. Uh, I immediately like dove in and like, okay, I'm going to start dating women. And I went from two extremes. I went to like the knockout gal on campus, beautiful, just great gal. And then my father stepped in on a visit and said, oh my God, she's so gorgeous. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, now I feel like I'm my dad because my dad, my mom was, is beautiful. And I broke up that relationship. And then I dated a gal that was just your average gal but I was doing both of those things just to get by. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a kind of a good kind of step into this whole boy erase thing, because there's elements of the movie where they start to show how the main character tried to step in to just get by, which is, don't you think Joel, that's kind of the typical path. We, uh, let's date to get by. Maybe things will happen. But when you step into the gay conversion therapy, it starts to go much deeper. It starts oh, yeah. to become yeah. something completely different. I mean, I think that um, even if it's not just to get by, it's it's just like for me, I was convinced that I could change by, you know, if I, if I did enough of the right things that somehow it would change me. So I thought, you know, I was a good boy. I didn't, I didn't have sex before marriage, you know? So like, I thought, well, when I start dating a girl, that will change it. And then it was right. like, well, when I get married, they'll do it. And then I'll be having sex. And then when I have children, it was always this yes. next right thing I would yeah. do that I thought would somehow change who I was. Of right. course, it never did. No, it never did. So the reason we came to this space is I posted something on Facebook about the movie and saying, ah, I thought it could have gone further. I think it could have shown things at a deeper level. And then Joel responded back saying, you know, he saw it differently. And this is what I love about exploring each person's journey through this, because I think one of the things that happens in our LGBTQ world and in the world in general 
is people go through an experience and suddenly everybody's the expert at how to go through these experiences. And everybody thinks, okay, well, this is the reaction you have. And I love that both Joel and I had kind of completely different experiences. I've heard a lot of other people have very similar experiences to what you did, Joel. So let's start with you went to the movie and what really happened for you? I mean, it was... Well, I went to a pre-screening that was right. sponsored locally. And so I was in a theater with almost entirely LGBTQ people, uh, a fairly large theater. And I honestly came into this not expecting an awful... I was very curious to see it, but I, I hadn't really prepared myself for it because I thought, well, it's Hollywood. It'll be really sensational and right. emotionally manipulative and all of this kind of stuff. And so I just kind of went in. I honestly... I did remember that Nicole Kidman was in it, but I couldn't even told you. I didn't even realize Russell Crowe was in it until they panned mm-hmm. in on him. Yeah. And uh, for me, perhaps that was the most disturbing thing was seeing Russell Crowe old and out of shape. Yes. <laughs> I was just about to say the same thing. It's like, okay, as soon as I'm like, oh my God, that girl, she has not done well. So <laughs> as I sit here with my own belly, I'm going, girl. <laughs> yeah, we just expect more out of our yeah, yeah. our uh, sexiest men alive, I think, which mm-hmm. he was at one point in time. Yep, yep. But um. Anyway, so it wasn't very far into the movie that I was kind of like, oh, wow, this is, this is going to be heavier than I anticipated. Like, it's going to impact me more. It was funny, was my husband's sitting next to me, and my husband did not go through anything related to any of this, but he's heard my story so many times. Right, right. And he was getting more fidgety than me. Like, I could feel mm-hmm. him getting angry. <laughs> right. And we're going to really do our best, folks, to not, like, give a lot away here. We're going to try to do that, but there's going to be probably some stuff that comes up that we'll we'll have to refer to just because yeah. it play out. And I'll, I'll be careful not to give me spoilers, but it did, um, it just started making him really uncomfortable just because of the language and the attitudes that were happening. And then for me, I started going, oh, yep, heard that. Yeah, oh, yep, I've heard that. Yeah, I remember when they told me that. And so yeah. that was an identifying thing. And there were some points in the movie where I was like, oh man, this is just reminding me of way too much, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so... We got through the movie. I definitely felt like I got sober, more sober, and more sober, more sober. Right. Not that I was drunk. I just mean right. sober mindset. Yeah. And um, when the movie ended, um, you could just feel it in the theater. Yep. It was just kind of a, a hushed silence and a heaviness. And I, I knew a lot of the people in the theater, and I was like, I do not want to see anybody. I just want to go. And oh. so I told David, I'm like, let's go. And so I like kind of made a dash for the door, so to speak, just so that I wouldn't have to run into people and have little chit chat and stuff. And we walked back home and on the walk home, as we started talking about it, then the tears started coming um, for me. And that was really, it was, I think what I really kind of anger towards the just community because I'm always reminded how much of um, all of the stuff is based in the religion, in the communities of faith. Yeah. So seeing that religious abuse happening made me angry because I know it still goes on. <clears throat> and then it reminded me just of sometimes I downplay what I went through. Like in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, Hey, right. it's what happened. It made me who I am. And, and for me, that brought me back to go, I went through some crap. so that's that was kind of my reaction in a very general way to the well and and to your point so when joel and i had this you know facebook conversation i basically said oh i didn't have that emotional reaction at all but now as you're talking 
and I actually have some goosebumps right now because I do remember coming out of the theater. My situation was a little bit different. We have a small theater here in San Luis Obispo where I live. I mean, literally a small theater that's a really art house type of movie theater. I think the biggest screening room, there's only three screening rooms in this particular theater. The largest one is like 100 people. The next one is like um, probably maybe 80. And of course, where we were seeing the movie was the smallest, most intimate theater. I think there's 10 rows of seats, maybe eight people. I mean, it may be 80 in that room at the most, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like really, really, really intimate. And of course we walk in thinking we're, oh, we got plenty of time. And it's me, my husband, and two of our gay friends. And it's pretty much the heterosexual audience, except, you know, I did my, you know, my gaydar started doing the scan going, okay, who else in here is, you know, playing on our mm-hmm. team. And then a couple mm-hmm. of guys came in right before the movie started and we're in the second row from the front. So there, I was kind of already like, okay, I'm pissed off a little bit. Cause I'm like, I don't want to watch this movie this up close, but it's a cool little theater that actually being up close worked pretty well. And then after the movie, as you were just now talking, I remember now being outside and I was already processing in my own head because my husband and I always have those conversations of what do you think, right? And I'm standing there with him and our two friends and one of my friends turns to me and says, everything okay? And I just said, yeah. And I realized I was actually holding in what I really wanted to say. And then I said, no, because I feel like there's so much that could have been done with this movie but I realized what it is, and I actually said this to him, is I didn't see enough of my own feelings showing up in this. Mm-hmm. And so when you and I were having that Facebook conversation, I've really come to that space now that I think that's what it is for a lot of people who may go, it wasn't enough. They didn't see enough of their own stuff. Whether they went through conversion therapy at the depths that you guys have, or whether they went through an experience of not being accepted by family, or even if they went through an experience where they were totally embraced, I think people are going to see different things in this, but what it always reflects, this is what I think is so beautiful about art, is did it reflect what I expected my journey to look like? Uh And what I found for me was there were pieces of it that I thought, I want to see, I want to see him get really angry. I want to see her, you know, mom, really you know do something i wanted to see and then i thought i don't know if we're really ready for this (laughs) which is kind of what you said you know if it got sensationalized i think it could actually have the opposite effect on where we are as a humanity to really realizing where this needs to go this was like a good start Right. And, and that's, I, you know, I would love for a lot of uh, people from my past to see the movie just because I think it would be really eye-opening. And one of the things that I heard is like, even in the first time we saw it is that there were a couple of people that like brought up mother or a friend with them and who this was a very foreign subject to them. And they were, they literally made the comment that doesn't happen. Right. People do that. Right. You right. know, yeah. And, and there were people in the theater. That, yeah. There, I could hear things being said in the theaters I was watching, especially in the one scene that's very early on in the movie that is very graphic, where I know those people weren't ready to see that. Uh-huh. It's almost as if, and then I actually heard somebody after the movie say that the scene I'm referring to, see, they made the mistake by making that scene 
the very stereotypical scene of why gay men are gay. And I thought, that's not what they were doing. This stuff happens and it just happens. It doesn't make it. So, you know, again, folks, we're not saying a whole lot because we hope you see the movie, especially that scene. I don't want to give that one away, but um, I think there's some interesting pieces. Well, to, to me, what, what, what the movie... Go ahead. It, it shows, yeah, I'm here. It shows um, uh, the conflict going yes. on in any anybody that grew up in that. You know, the conflict of going, like, I remember... And I, honestly, I kind of forgotten about this. This brought something up for me. But I mean, I remember when I was a kid and like a young teenager, there was a another boy that we would fool around together. Mm-hmm. And I was so conflicted because I wanted it. I wanted it to happen. At the mm-hmm. same time, I didn't want it to happen. Right. And I was ashamed of it and guilt, but then I was hoping it would happen again. And so it was this constant yep. conflict. Yep. Of, Am I responsible for this? Did I invite it? Did, you know, like, am I a victim of it? Or, you know, and it's just that whole conflict going on. And um, I felt that that was a good portion of the movie that was demonstrated that this Mm -hmm. young man was having those kinds of conflicts about, you know, is is it my fault that I'm gay? You know, and just like I I felt, I mean, when I was growing up or even as an adult, I, it, to me, it was a sin. It was a sinful thing. And so when you're doing something against God, then obviously God intends you to, will give you a way out of it, so to speak. Right. So if I'm still gay, then it must be my fault for doing something wrong, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously this isn't what God intended for me. At least that's how I was taught. So it, it's that constant conflict and um, struggle mm-hmm. in between. And I mean, I think that's why you'll notice throughout the movie, there was not a lot of great communication between him and his parents. Right. And I think that was demonstrate uh, demonstrative of the conflict going on in him where it's kind of like he wanted to be asked, but at the same time, right. Wasn't sure. But here's where I think the intersection of, if we take this out of the gay conversion realm Mm -hmm. and we put it into religion in any realm being used for anything. And it's ironic because last night I was reading an article about a teacher at a Catholic school being released from her position because she is unmarried and pregnant. Here we go again. Mm -hmm. It's that religion being used as a tool to say, you're not good enough. You have sinned against God because of something that you have done. And there's really no, I mean, you know, I read what the Catholic church and everything said about this in this article, which we all kind of, anybody who knows, you know, Catholics, yes, it's, you know, no, supposed to be no sex before marriage, all this sort of stuff. But I thought how similar this is, that this is how we have these conversations. You don't do this and this is the way it is. It's just, this is the way it is. There's never that room for any other possibility. Mm-hmm. And as I see things unraveling in our country right now, especially towards us in the LGBTQ community, there's definitely some targets on our backs once again. Mm-hmm. All because people in a religious frame of mind, especially the evangelicals, are saying this is the way it is and there's no room for discussion. There yeah. is no other way than this way. And it's not just us. It comes to premarital sex. It comes to any of these other things like Muslim beliefs and all this stuff. There is no other way. And to me, 
this boy erased, you could have said Muslim erased. You could have said unwanted pregnancy. Or you could actually start to frame this. Yes, there's not conversion therapy for these things. Right. But so many premises and so many dots get connected when you step back and go, wow, there's a message in here for so many things. It just happens to be this was very focused. And for me, the thing that was missing the most, I guess, was I would have loved to have seen a little more of the depth of the anguish. I think Kidman did it fairly well. I would have liked to have seen a little more of what was the mom really, really feeling at times? What was the dad really, you know, what was he really going through? Was the were the people, the counselors and stuff, you know, there, I think the main counselor was pretty well portrayed, but it seems like there could have been a little more of, here's the real crap that was going on, but I don't know how you would do that in a movie. That's, that's where I'll, you know, put my caveat in. You yeah. and I know, you and I know, because we've witnessed it. I remember sitting in the pastor's office and seeing his own emotions happening when I was in so much turmoil and pain, I could see him in his own emotional turmoil and pain of, I hate to see somebody hurting this way and listening to his voice quaver as he said, but this is what you need to do. It's that sort of stuff that I'm like, I don't know how you portray that in a movie. I don't know how you get to that depth of this is what's really gone on. Well, and I think, we always have to remember that, I mean, I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that this movie is, it accurately portrays Jared's story and the people. So I, cause I don't know, but let's just assume that it is very accurate. Then that was how his parents responded, yeah. you know, and we can't change that or over dramatize that. I did. But, his dad's response was very similar to my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad was very controlled like that, you know, um, my mother's response was much different, much worse. Um, but I, what, what came across to me is like, especially the conversion therapy part. Um, one thing I always want people to know is that there are no rules to what conversion therapy, reparative therapy, right. therapy, people, because it's not based in any kind of science or right. psych- psychology, it's basically anybody that says, well, I think if you do this, it'll make you straight. And so while some of the actual practices uh, in the movie, like there's a one scene where it's almost like an exorcism taking place. Yep. yep. Um, Like I did not, that, that was very different from my experience, Mm -hmm. but I kept the second time I saw the movie, because I went and saw it a second time yesterday with my son and a friend of his. And um, I realized why that scene impacted me so much is because while that, that exact scenario did not happen. That is the attitude that was portrayed. I mean, I sat in the counselor's office and, you know, I'd be desperately wanting help and pouring my heart out to him, you know, crying and telling him about my past and, you know, whatever was painful. And then he would oftentimes just immediately say, you know, let's pray. And he would start praying and, you know, asking God to speak to me and so on and so forth. And then like in the middle of his prayer, he would just go, Joel, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Right. And, and I would sit there and go, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, don't right. know. I wasn't getting any message, but I wanted one, but I was just right, like, right. and I would say, I don't know. I'm, I'm so confused. My brain's just going over. So then he would say, he would then 
as soon as I admitted that I couldn't get any kind of answer, then he would go into this spiritual warfare thing and start binding spirits and, you know, of confusion and, you know, demanding that Satan leave me alone so the Holy Spirit. And I'm going, well, that's not much different than an exorcism. You know, while I didn't go through the exact scenario of that movie, I related. And when I walked out of the movie, I I thought, you know, some of the actual things that happened or didn't happen vary from my story. But what I found to be pretty much 100% accurate was the attitudes and the language. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. So for me, that's like, that was accurate. And I'm like, it's it's this thing of, okay, this just needs to get fixed. That mm -hmm. was, you know, that is for those of you who haven't been through this, those of you who may be coming out at this moment, even if you're coming out of, I'm going to leave a job that's not right for me. Trust me, whatever the attitude is that you get thrown is in many ways going to be similar to what we went through. Just now take that and multiply it by hundreds. And, mm-hmm. you know, yes, I, I have ex- actually have a client currently that's kind of going through this in a, I'm leaving a corporate job that I really can't stand. And the attitudes that he's getting thrown and the things he's telling me I'm like, this is scary because there's so many similar elements to this is not what you're supposed to do. You're being irresponsible. Don't you care about da 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 da? And I, as I listened to him relate some of this over the past couple of weeks, I came back to center of, yeah, this is actually why this work is so important, gay or straight. There's too much in our society where we've been told, don't do anything that disappoints anybody. You're here to do the thing that makes people proud of you. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, yes, there's elements where I think that's very positive. But when this hammer gets, you know, pounded into our heads of, you have to feel this. Aren't you feeling the Holy Spirit? No, I'm not. So shut the fuck up. I'm not feeling that. It's almost like there's this contrived prescription that says, okay, if we go do this, and again, I, I believe in a higher power. I believe there's a God, there's, a, there's something that made things happen here. But I don't believe in somebody who says, okay, you need to feel this and this is going to change everything. Because mm-hmm. what I personally have felt is I'm good just the way I am. And that changed everything. That's the big difference. Yeah, it was interesting. My son... Um what he came out was is he he was struck by this whole sense of assimilation mm-hmm. that the whole movie is about and it's kind of what you're talking about it, yep. it's this idea of you need to be like us you right. know let's all be the same and mm-hmm. so you know that comes in many forms but i had never thought about that uh yeah. that would not have struck me as a the theme of the movie but then the more we talked about it, i'm like yeah 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 it really is about, yeah, let's not, don't be you, be what we want you to be. Right. Well, and the main character, one of the main characters in the movie, who is obviously, you know, kind of runs the roost and everything as like a, a counselor, but more makes everything happen. That character, it definitely came across that way. Of, you just need to be this way. From the moment you check in and you give up your phones and da, 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 da. And I thought that character was really well portrayed because that person, you could see the inner conflict even within themselves of, I'm doing this, but I'm doing this from such a bitchy space in life that I'm not happy, but I'm doing this because I've been told I have to be this. It's a very white knuckling kind of mentality of I'm going to clean this. I'm going to make this work at Mm -hmm. any cost, you know, because it has to. And yeah, that was, um, uh, 
I, I knew a lot of people like that. And, you know, some of the people in my actual ex-gay counseling kind of thing were actually very compassionate people. They, they weren't of that kind of hard-nosed nature. But at the same time, the messages were still the same. Messages were um, still the same, absolutely. And, and just, I always wonder if, if people were to look at this, and I'm going to really simplify this. We all, at some point, okay, I'm generalizing here, but a lot of us in this world have battled with the bulge. We try to lose weight, we go on diets, we try to do this, all this sort of stuff. And what we have learned through these journeys, and it's been said over and over again, is if you say, i got to do this, this has to happen, da-da-da-da-da, nine times out of ten, you cannot lose the weight because it's too forced. It's not natural. It's not positive. And to me, it's the same thing. If you force somebody to believe that they can't, they have to not be gay, they have to not be lesbian, they have to not be trans, and this is not, it's so forced that that negativity is just breeding additional negativity against something that really isn't natural. Yet when we try to lose weight, when we say, okay, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to be happy, and I realize my body is a machine, and all I'm doing is fueling this body so I can make things happen, when we start to see that sort of stuff, miraculous things happen. The well, difference is we are who we are in our sexuality. And there isn't anything to be changed. Right. I mean, to me, it's no different than I'm right-handed. But if I, I could spend a lot of time trying to be left-handed. Mm -hmm. And I could probably have a degree of success in that. Right. But the truth is I'm still always right-handed. Right. You will always be that way. It's so interesting that you brought that up because my husband is kind of somewhat ambidextrous at times. One of the things I notice is he, he's, he's right-handed, but he irons left-handed, but he never writes left-handed. Mm -hmm. And there's certain things I'll notice that he does that, but it isn't because he was told he had to do that. It's just kind of naturally who he is, you know? And I think these are the things when we start to realize this stuff that happens in this forced conversion, these forced let's make you better, it's coming from a space of if you don't get better, then I'm not better. If you don't do this, I'm the one who's going to lose. And I know for me, I've held this perspective. I'd love your perspective on it, Joel. I hate the chip in your belt to get to heaven. And that's mm -hmm. exactly the way I felt even though the pastor I worked with was, he was a great guy. I still believe he was doing what he felt was in the best interest of me. And based right. on his perspective of the world, and there was nothing like deeply negative how he approached it. But I've seen so many other people in my coming out journey after I did come out at 36, who took the perspective of you have got to do this. And when I would say, why? Because this is what you have to do. This is what you need to do to be in alignment with God. I'm like, I'm in alignment with my God. And they would hate that. That's mm. when the real anger started to show up. I'm like, this isn't about me. This is yeah. about you having some perspective that if you don't help me change, you've got one less chip in your belt to get your ass to heaven. It, that's all it's about. And I think in this day and age, we're starting to really see this as the evangelical church pushes this way. Yeah, it's to me, it comes back to... Um, Whenever you mix God into anything, yep. it gets really complicated. And so 
conversion therapy, like I said earlier, is pretty much always faith from faith-based organizations or yeah. someone of faith because in their mind, you know, being gay is to them, it's very clearly delineated in the Bible as a horrible sin and probably the worst sin. Right. And so they are not in any, in, in any way interested in finding any kind of common ground because mm. to them, this is a black and white issue and you cannot be gay. Right. So therefore there is no other alternative other than to just not be gay. Yeah. And, and it's a God thing. I mean, it's in their minds, it's mandated by God. And so it makes it really hard to have any kind of rational conversation. It does. Um, and what makes it even harder, especially in, again, in this current state, we are at least in our country. And I know it's around the world that those same people will turn a blind eye to infidelity and not think a thing mm-hmm. about it. They will turn yep. a blind eye to the whole, you know, border and, you know, we're, we're, you know, we've all, all heard kinds of- Yeah. But they will yeah. pick this one thing and say, this is going to be the downfall. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, all this other stuff is sitting there too. All this other <laughs> stuff, our own current dumbass in the white house, all the marriages and all this stuff. It's like, really? You're going to do this. In fact, even yesterday at, at, at um, President Bush's funeral, I found it so interesting. Of course, this is the big, you know, one of the big headlines today is, you know, when it came time to do the one prayer or whatever that both him and Melania stood there and didn't do a thing. I'm like, so now you all are going to say he didn't do this. And I just can't wait because I'm sure and I haven't looked because I'm just I'm not even going to go there today. I'm sure there's already some defenses showing up of why they didn't say. Oh, yeah. This. You know, it's, just, it's like, here we go again. And it frustrates me because I guess because of where you and I have come from and so many of us in the LGBTQ world, you find this one thing you're going to pick on and you're going to stand on, but you're going to give a hall pass to all the other crap that supposedly is going to keep you out of heaven as much as this one thing. You know, um, just a a side note on all of that is that this is why I'm really concerned about, there's a lot of great legislation out there about banning conversion therapy and so on and so forth. And most of that is based in um, the idea that, well, if someone's uh, practicing this on minors, we'll take their license away. It's really important to note that most of this is faith-based and these are not licensed professionals in the first place. So just, I mean, a little bit of a spoiler alert here. In the movie, there is a scene where... Mm -hmm the main guy is confronted and that is brought up and he doesn't have an answer for how he qualified to do these things. And you know, the, the counselors that I saw, they were just, Oh, they might've had a certification through some religious counseling organization, you know, or something like that. But these were not, these are not state licensed professionals most of the time. So this legislation is a bit of a, a false hope uh, because it's happening through these religious organizations, churches, counseling centers, so on and so forth. My, the, the ex-gay counselor that I spent the most time with has contacted me three different times trying to refute my story, mm-hmm. trying to deny that anything ever happened in this way, trying to rewrite my history. Yep. I had to finally tell him to cease and desist. Like, don't mm-hmm. contact me. And, you know, and he's still practicing. I don't know whether he's practicing the same kinds of things. And he thinks you 
if you were to talk to him, he would be like, oh, no, I've never practiced XK therapy or conversion therapy. It's like, and yet I can sit with all, I could contact all the men in our group. And in fact, some of them I'm in touch with and they're like, really? You know, for me, I'm going to be like, well, I wish you would have told me that back then before I spent three years in it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's important to note for this. It is very um, important. It does bring light to it. But there's another layer that has nothing to do with legislation concerning nope. licenses. It's mm-hmm. going to involve um, it's going to involve that really uncomfortable area where we have to talk about religion. Yep. Well, it's going to confront that really uncomfortable area that we're already confronting, which is the separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. That's where we're headed. So, um, well, buddy, I am so glad we had this conversation. Is there something that you would love to leave someone who may be being confronted right now with this conversion therapy that they could really just take with them and and know that they're going to be just fine who they are? Something that you know would (laughs) inspire them. Well, I, I always encourage people to give themselves permission to live and to be who they are. And we spent a lot of time denying ourselves permission. And I remember when I, the day that I finally said, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm done trying to change this. I'm just going to be me. Within a very short period of time, it was amazing how so many of the bad habits I had and behaviors all started just kind of melting away because I'd finally given myself permission to be gay. And so suddenly mm-hmm. my life wasn't as revolving around sex and sexual right. hookups and things that once was or sneaking around. It was like, I gave myself permission to be me, which was a scary thing to do because I was told I couldn't do that. But once I did, it was like, wow, the whole world changed. And I realized that I'd just been spending all of my energy focused on not being who I was denying yeah. myself. So I encourage people to, Try it out. Give yourself permission. We're told we're not allowed to, but do it and Mm -hmm. see what happens. And, you know, it's so interesting that you bring that up, Joel, because as I do this work with men in general on many different things, my starting point is with men or women. And even when I go do some group stuff on entrepreneurship and stuff, permission is the starting point. Give Mm -hmm. yourself permission to do the thing you want to do. You have to do that. That is, to me, that's where we start this whole thing. Once you do the permission, then you can start to face the fears. You can talk to talk about the obliger and you can talk about how you become vulnerable and transparent and all this mm-hmm. stuff. But it starts with giving yourself permission to say, Hey, I'm at least going to give myself the permission to go explore this, to go look at this, mm-hmm. to take the risk. But when we don't give ourselves permission until you and I both gave ourselves permission to say, this no longer works for me. This is not, I'm giving myself permission to take a stand we would have still been right where we are, but it starts with the permission and giving ourselves the permission, as you said, to be beautifully and wonderfully who we are in our own being. So, um, yeah. So my friend, thank you. I'm so glad we had this conversation. I'm glad we got to connect. And I hope for all of you who've been listening that you can draw some parallels to your own life, whether you're coming out of the closet or you're struggling with something that you know innately is who you're meant to be, that thing that's calling to you and realize as we just wrapped up here, giving yourself the permission to do the thing you're meant to do and be the person you're meant to do. And with that, we're gonna call it a wrap on this week's episode of Life Uncloseted.